Welcome to our service today. At long last, we've become really high-tech and tempo and clubby as we launch our live stream service today. We're sorry it has taken us seven weeks to get to this point, but we wanted to ensure that we were doing it correctly as possible and to make it as accessible uh, to as many people as possible. You have noticed over the last number of weeks that we have been worshiping God in ways we never envisaged happening. This has been a time of experimentation as we have been hosting the service by podcast. Now in the seventh week of lockdown, we would have thought we would have such services. Who would have thought we have such services going by telephone or by YouTube? Despite all the changes that have taken place in society and church life, one thing has not changed. God. He is still in control of the events of the present and the future. We can worship him even if it is not in church. The church has had to rethink how it relates to people today. The church has come out into the world through social media to bring the gospel to the people outside of the church, outside of Christ, as well as to those who attend church. It is now fulfilling its great commission by Jesus Christ and has become no longer the building but the people. And the only place where God can be worshipped is now discovered to be outside the church in people's homes. In the future, until things change, we shall be using live stream for the full service, podcast for the sermon only, and also those not using social media, the service can now be heard by using your telephone. 028-892-70880. This number will be on screen at the end of the service. Please pass on to those whom you know don't use social media. The current service will be available on live stream, YouTube and by phone until next Saturday. The midweek devotional will only be available on the usual podcast on the church Facebook. Next week live stream recording will be from Clabe and thereafter alternate weeks. We begin our service by watching a video which has been produced and released by our Link Missionaries, Trevor and Andrea Watson. This is a new way of communicating the good news that they are doing of the work in Sweden. So please sit back now and listen to this uh, video recording by Trevor and Andrea Watson. Hello from Gothenburg in Sweden. We are Trevor and Andrea and we are Crosslinks mission partners here. Uh, as far as lockdown is concerned, we're not officially in lockdown, um, but we have decided to keep the girls at home, just wanting to be a little bit more careful after my illness last year. As far as church is concerned, um, like you, we have moved online, um, and that's been a challenge, um, preaching in Swedish every week. Um, Daniel, who's the co-pastor, uh, Daniel and Hannah had a baby just a few weeks back, and so he's on paternity leave. Um, but it's been good for my Swedish. And we've been going through um, some Psalms, Psalm 42 and 43. And we're just in Psalm 90 and 91 at the moment. And really, God is teaching us valuable lessons um, in these days. We're also thankful for some who have been um, watching on a Sunday afternoon 
um, some people that we wouldn't have expected. And it'd be really great if you were praying um, for those folks that they would um, hear God's word, that the gospel would be clear for them and that God would really challenge them. Also, our Easy Swedish Bible study that we normally have on a Wednesday evening um, has moved online. Um, that has been a real encouragement as well. Um, and we've been going through the Beatitudes, so you, you could remember that in prayer also. There are lots of opportunities, um, opportunities here in our apartments. We're one of 66 apartments here in this block, and we've had opportunity to connect with neighbours um, through a little slip um, of paper that we've uh, distributed offering help um, for those who are isolating. Also opportunities in church to coordinate um, the care team. Um, thankfully, um, most in church have kept very well, um, and you can continue to pray for us as a fellowship. The equipped conference that should have been happening next weekend, um, sadly we've had to cancel that. That was to be with Christopher Ash, but Christopher's going to be recording um, a series on teaching Christ in the Psalms, and we're really looking forward to launching that online. Um, we've also just taken delivery of two books um, that we've published, a Swedish uh, translation of Dig Deeper that we're really looking forward to using with pastors and preachers here, and also one you'll recognise if I show you the author. Um, it's J.I. Packer's Knowing God with a study guide, and those are so hot off the press that they were just delivered yesterday. So you can pray for those as they're advertised on the Rotad um, website, um, and as those go out all over Sweden. We want to thank you for partnering with us and for praying for us um, as we pray for you in Northern Ireland in the situation there. And just pray that God will use each of us in surprising ways um, for his glory in these days. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let us now pray for them and their work for God in church in Sweden. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for calling Trevor and Andre Watson to do the work of bringing your gospel, extending your church and building up your kingdom in the land of Sweden where there's great darkness and dismissing of the gospel message and of disobedience to God and atheism, a very secular materialistic society. We thank you for calling them. We thank you for the work you've given them to do and the blessing it has been already. We thank you for their outreach of the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray in these difficult days that they may also be blessed as they seek by new means of, through social media to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those outside your kingdom and outside of Christ. We pray that you bless them as they minister to the members of their church as well. And may God use them as a blessing for the extension of his kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. We now turn to our own service and reflect on these words from Psalm 138. I'll praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I'll bow down toward your holy temple. I'll praise your name for your love and faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. When I called, you answered me and made me bold and stout-hearted. The psalmist praises God for his love and faithfulness. God still loves us. He showed in the past by sending Christ to be our saviour and sin-bearer. He has provided 
guided and cared for us at all times and in all our lives, even right now, and will do so in the future. He is faithful. He has kept all his promises and will continue to keep them. But he is to be exalted, praised by us at all times. He is to be glorified in our lives and by our lips. We're now going to listen to the hymn, Breathe on me, Breath of God. The words will appear on the screen. And if you feel brave enough, you can join in by singing them at home. Otherwise, please sit and listen to the words of Breathe on me, Breath of God. We now turn to God to seek his face and bring before him our sins. Cleanse our thoughts, our hearts and minds. We have sinned against God accidentally, unintentionally or even deliberately in thought, word or deed. Many times in this past week we have failed God by neglecting him to spend time with him, to honour him by the way we live. So we turn to God and seek his forgiveness with clean hearts your minds we can hear God speaking to us through his word. If we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. O God our loving Father in heaven we confess that we have sinned against you. We have broken your commandments. We've often been selfish and we've not loved you as we should. For these and all our sins, forgive us, we pray, through our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. 
Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse you from all your sins, restore you in his image, to the praise and glory of his name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We now turn to God's word for our scripture readings this morning. The first reading is a brief one from Isaiah chapter 30, beginning at the verse 19. And here in this passage, the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon because of their disobedience and rebellion against God. They have not always followed his ways and his instructions which he had given them to in the time of Moses. They now have broken the covenant agreement with God many times over. Part of the punishment for their disobedience was God would send them into exile under a foreign nation for a period of time. They have been in Babylon for a number of years now. God now speaks to them about restoration on their repentance from their sins. They are not to listen to the false teachers who have taught them all as well, but to, speak to listen to God speaking to them. They are to get rid of all the false gods that have come into their lives and to follow the Lord and walk in his ways. We will look in this ver- a verse which speaks about this is the way, walk in it, And so God's people are called to walk in his way. Isaiah chapter 30, beginning at verse 19. O people of Zion, who live in Jerusalem, you'll weep no more. How gracious will he be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With their own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. When you defile your idols, overlaid with silver, and your images covered with gold, you will throw them away like a menstrual cloth, and say to them, Away with you. Here ends our Old Testament reading. Our New Testament reading is from St. John's Gospel. It's the very familiar words of Jesus. One of his well-knowing I am sayings, I am the way, the truth, and life, appears in this reading. But Jesus primarily is speaking to the disciples because at this time they need comfort, hope, and assurance because they are troubled and confused as they come to terms and face the reality of Jesus' arrest, trial, and death, which he already has told them about. So Jesus speaks these words to the troubled disciples needing comfort and to us today. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going out of a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And may God bless to us all these readings from us, holy and 
eternal word. We're now going to listen to our next hymn, which says these very important words, He will hold me fast.
Now turn to God's word, let us pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your holy, eternal and inspired word. We thank you for the opportunity of sitting under its teaching authority and truth today. We pray now that you open our minds to understand it, our hearts to receive the seed of your word and our wills to obey it in the days which lie ahead. In Jesus' name, Amen. Charles Dickens, a 19th century author, wrote in his novel, Tale of Two Cities. It was a time, uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the era of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was a season of the spring of hope. It was a winter of despair. Yes, perhaps, Dickens' words, written all those years ago, are still relevant today. We are still living in times of fear, confusion, doubt, uncertainty about the future and how we should move forward from the present situation and lockdown. And sometimes we feel at the moment we are in a winter of despair, even though we're living in the summertime. But yet we must look to the time of a spring of hope Often in our own daily lives, this is the case, we are living at times when we feel these same feelings, not just in the present COVID-19 crisis, but in our daily lives, these feelings often reoccur. It was the same with the disciples. They are meeting in the upper room on the eve of his betrayal and death. He is speaking to them on what we call Monday Thursday. This passage in chapter 14 is part of the next few chapters called the Last Supper Discussions when Jesus speaks about what is going to happen to him. In chapter 13 he had spoken about his death. The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now my heart is troubled and what shall I say? Father save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to sir. Father, glorify your name. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world must be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up, will draw all men to myself. So Jesus had clearly spoken to the disciples about his death. In contrast to the disciples' uh, confusion, disbelief and despair. There were the Jews who were underhandedly uh, trying to find a way in which Jesus could be uh, arrested, put in trial and subsequently put to death. They had secretly already uh, got Judas to agree to betray Jesus. Jesus of course at this time was secretly keeping this uh, the idea to himself. So Jesus after the Last Supper, washes the disciples' feet as an attitude of servanthood, how he comes as the Son of Man to serve and not to be served. He then betray, uh, predicts his betrayal. He speaks about someone is going to betray him. The disciples naturally ask, who is it? 
I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Leaning back against Jesus, John asked, Who is it, Lord? Jesus answered, Is the one to whom I would give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in a dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. It was dark. So, more startling news for the disciples. One of their friends has betrayed Jesus Christ. Then, the further shock takes place when Jesus speaks about him being glorified and subsequently speaks more about his death. He tells the disciples when he's left that they are to love one another. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the disciples will continue Jesus' work on earth when he'd gone, and they were to love one another as evidence of being his disciples. Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow but you'll follow me later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So Peter was confused about where Jesus was going. He asked another question, where are you going, Lord? Jesus says, I can't tell you where I'm going. Obviously he meant not just his death, but his return to heaven. Peter says, I will follow you. Jesus says, not now, but you will follow me one day. You will die, you'll go to heaven one day, Peter. But I tell you what, Peter, because you've said you lay down your life for me, that's not so. You will deny me three times before the rooster crows. So further starting news for the disciples and even for Peter himself, who was always a brave, bold one in the midst of all the disciples. So the disciples had an awful lot to take on board. So naturally we can understand why they are feeling in despair confusion, uncertainty, all the attitudes we've thought about already, the disciples had them all now. So in the short space of time, Jesus had packed an awful lot into what would happen to him and what would happen to the disciples. And so we come to this very familiar passage in John chapter 14, where Jesus speaks to the disciples to bring them comfort, encouragement, assurance and hope. Words often used at funeral services, but I don't think they're always appropriate for funeral services. They're appropriate for daily life and for our daily living as followers of Jesus Christ in relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want to think about three things from this passage that we need to consider that Jesus spoke to the disciples and that he speaks to us today. The first thing is the person. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus is saying, after all he said to the disciples, but going away and they couldn't follow him, that he was going to desert them as they, as they felt. How could they possibly trust him? Yes, it was easy to trust in God the Father because they knew about the history of God's dealings with the people of Israel from creation right down to the present time. How God had led, guided, provided, and always with his people Israel. But trust Jesus, who was going to leave them. 
But surely isn't that the case with us? Do we always trust God? Do we always trust Jesus? Do we always take God at his word and feel firm and assurance in the promises of his word and what he says to us? Often down to the centuries in a time of crisis, such as we have at this present time, people say, trust God? How can we? Is he really in control? Does he really care? Is he blind? Is he deaf? Is he perhaps the uncaring, unconcerned God, just letting us flounder, letting us find our own way through life? That's not the case. Jesus says to us today, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus is bringing us words of assurance that we are to believe in him. That's what trust means, to have confidence in him and what he says to us and in the word of God. In John's Gospel, Jesus very often points out when he speaks about an I am passage, we are told to believe in him. And the result of believing in him is having eternal life. If we believe in or trust in him, we're told we'll never have hunger, a spiritual hunger. We'll never have spiritual thirst when we trust in Jesus Christ. He will satisfy all our needs. We can have confidence and trust in him. Just as you sit on a chair and you have confidence that it will hold you up. Belief in Jesus is far beyond sitting in confidence that the chair won't let you down. We can trust in Jesus when we're troubled in the ordinary situations of life because he is there with us. Is Jesus the one we trust in at all times, first and foremost, or is he a last resort? Peter had said earlier in John's Gospel, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who else can we turn to and trust in for daily life and for eternal life, but in Jesus Christ, who has loved us and gave himself for us? We need Jesus for every day, to trust in him to meet our needs, not just only in the cares, concerns, worries, fears, but in the just simple, plain sinning of life. But most importantly, we need to trust the person of Jesus Christ, who has died for us, who loved us, sacrificed his life for our sins and for our salvation. So the person we meet here in John's Gospel, chapter 14, the first thought is Jesus, the person, the one to trust in now and for eternity. The second thought for our passage this morning is chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. In other words, Jesus has returned to heaven. He's preparing a place for those who will trust in him, and who have trusted in him, a prepared place. One word would describe these two verses, heaven. Now, we do not completely understand or have a complete picture in the Bible of heaven. God has given us a partial picture, rather than through frosted glass or pulling back the curtains slightly and looking out through the window. God gives us a small glimpse of heaven. For example, in Revelation, the main book which talks about heaven in chapter 21 and 22, which is important for you perhaps to read at some stage after the service, it speaks about heaven. So Jesus has gone to an actual real place called heaven. He's gone to make it a prepared place for you and me, and he's going to return from a prepared place to take us. But in Revelation, we read that heaven is God's dwelling place. It's a place 
where there's no war, sin or sorrow. In other words, a perfect place. It's a place where no sin or sinners live. Only those who are cleansed from their sins by the blood of Jesus Christ and whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now the dwelling place of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. <clears throat> Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we already have a picture of some things in heaven. It's a place of giving God honour and glory and praise, of heavenly worship, worship that is in spirit and truth. We read in Revelation chapter 4 about the heavenly hosts praising God. Day and night they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and who is to come. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you create all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. So that is the heavenly elders laying down their crowns before God. We learn that it's a place where no man can number. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, sitting before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So that is our small picture and quickly about what heaven looks like. So it's good to know that Jesus has gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us, a place in the presence of God we can live forever and ever. A beautiful place, God's dwelling place. In other words, we could say the family home. A place of love and joy in God's presence. But it's very important for us to remember that this abiding place, this mansions, this place where God has prepared for us, isn't like a grand house. It's a place where we can live forever with Jesus Christ. And it's good that Jesus says in verse 2, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. As I said already, a prepared place, that's where heaven is. Jesus has gone out and gone ahead of us to prepare a place for us. And Jesus says he will come back again. He'll return again, his second coming. Just as he came to this earth for a purpose, to die for our sins and for our salvation, so he'll return <coughs> excuse me, to this place for a purpose to bring to his prepared place a prepared people. The final place, the final dwelling place, a place of perfection, a place of, of praise, joy and glory. One day Jesus Christ will return. Read Revelation chapter 21 and 22. It talks about us going with transformed bodies to this new place. Paul says in Philippians that God will transfer, transform our lowly bodies and be like his glorious body. So we can look forward to going to 
heaven to be with Jesus Christ. He's prepared a place. He's promised to return to take us to be with him forever in that place. The question is, are you prepared? Are you ready for the call or the return of Jesus Christ? Particularly referring here to the return, sudden, unknown time. Are you prepared? Are you prepared by trusting in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross? The third thought I want to share from you from this passage is the path, verses 4 to 6. You know the way to the place where I am going, Jesus said. Thomas said to them, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are to trust the person of Jesus Christ because of who he is and what he's done for us and what he is continuing to do for us in heaven where he is now our great high priest who intercedes for us in heaven and who brings all our needs and requests before God. So there is a here and now but there is there is yet to be. So Jesus speaks here to his disciples the path, the way to heaven. But Thomas, the one who often questions many things, says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? The disciples never understood what Jesus meant by saying he was going to a place where they couldn't follow him. So now Thomas naturally follows on from that phrase of Jesus by saying, we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? He only expressed what all the other disciples were thinking in their own hearts and minds. Where was Jesus going? How could we follow him? Why can we not follow him there? It was a valid question. We know where Jesus is and where Jesus was going to because we have the events afterwards. If we'd been present when Jesus said these words to the disciples, Perhaps we would have the same wonder and the same questions. But Jesus here is clear and precise and direct in his answer to Thomas's question. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We live in a world where some people believe all religions lead eventually to God. We're just going by different routes, but we're all going to get there eventually. Hindus, Muslims, whatever religion it is, all sorts of cults that have any sort of belief in God at all, they're all going to get to see God in heaven one day. Some believe that our works uh, will get us our salvation, will get us to heaven. Some believe that by living a good life, by our giving to God's work, to charities, to our church ceremonies, our church attendance, those will contribute to our salvation will get us to heaven. But these are all about self-effort. They're not about trusting in Jesus Christ, the one and only Saviour. Jesus Christ is clear that he is the only way, one way, and not a variety of ways, is what Jesus makes very clear in this passage. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name, under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Paul writing to Timothy says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself 
as ransom for all men. If you turn to our own Church of Ireland and to its teachings, turn to, at the back of the prayer book, to Articles 18, 11 and 12 and 13. They all speak about salvation being found in Christ and about where good works lie in relationship to a relationship with Jesus Christ. For example, Article 12 says about the good works after our faith in Christ which are acceptable to God. And 13 it says about the good works before our salvation in Christ, how they are not pleasing towards God. So believe me, the Bible and the words of Jesus Christ are very clear. I am the way, the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The truth, Jesus is the truth. He's not a truth, he is the truth. The truth about ourselves and about God. About the truth about our sinfulness and about our need of a Saviour, Jesus Christ. Thy word is truth. And so God's word is truth. Just as Jesus Christ is the way, the one and only way. So Jesus Christ and God's word is the truth. A truth we must believe and accept and practice. And then Jesus is a life. John's Gospel, chapter 1, says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ came to bring life, life abundant, life at all its fullness. He's able to save us completely, or to the uttermost, when we come to him. He is the one who has the gift, the free gift of eternal life, who clears us of debt, of sin, and gives us eternal life. And that's the light because we walk in darkness, Jesus Christ comes to bring eternal life. And he comes to bring the light of salvation to us who are walking in darkness. By his one complete and all-sufficient sacrifice, Jesus Christ offers us the way, the one and only way to heaven. He is the truth about us and about God and God's feelings towards us. He is the one who comes to bring us life eternal life the wonderful verse john 3 16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so today what is troubling you what are your fears what are you thinking about for now and for eternity jesus gives the answer do not let your hearts be troubled Trust in God, trust also in me. Belief in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of our sins and for eternal salvation. He has provided the way for us to heaven. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we're trusting in him. He's provided the way of salvation. And in the meantime, he is preparing a place for us. And so... God's word is clear. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus when he calls or particularly here when he returns again? Yes, we're on a journey. It can be hard. Life is not always plain sailing. As the song puts it, who would mind the journey when the road leads home? Jesus went to the cross, not but for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus went through pain 
for gain, gain of his place back in heaven. We can go through pain in this life, but we have the joy of salvation one day. As I said, Jesus Christ has provided the one and only true path to heaven. Why not enter today if you haven't done so? Then one day, what a glory it will be to see our one and only Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let me finish with some words from the daily devotional book which I am using this year. Jesus is the way to God, the truth about God, the life of God. He is God. Today Jesus says to you, I am sufficient, I am sovereign, I am the God who sees you, I am a provider, I am faithful, I am righteous, I am gracious, I am compassionate and merciful, I am eternal, I am your refuge, I am your healer, I am your restorer, I am your defender, I am your rock, I am your redeemer. Or as the hymn puts it in Rock of Ages, not the labours of my hands can fulfil thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Let us pray. Gracious, loving, eternal Father, we thank you that you have provided for our salvation through your one and only Saviour, Jesus Christ. We thank you that means of our salvation is only through him, that you provide the one and only way to heaven. And we thank you that Jesus has finished the work. He now prepares a place for us in heaven. Help us by your spirit and by obedience to your voice through your word to respond to Jesus Christ, to trust in him for our salvation, to begin to walk that road that one day will bring us to heaven as we journey it, whatever its ups and downs, its joys and sorrows, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves us, gave himself for us, and who loves us so much, he is preparing a place for us in confidence that we will trust in him. And one day we can go to the prepared place because we're prepared now by trusting in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I want to read you a short uh, article from Premier Christian Radio, which is put up for today, VE Day. And we want to remember today in our prayers uh, and thank God for the victory which was achieved at VE Day. But here is something I thought was relevant VA Day 75 years ago and the present crisis we're in. On VA Day, Major General Rudy Porter shares a reflection on victory, rebuilding what it means for today's world, especially in the light of coronavirus. 8th of May 1945 was the day which finally saw the defeat of the tyrannical Nazi regime that had consumed and enslaved millions, civilian and military and devastated vast swathes of Europe. As Winston Churchill, the British Prime Minister, told our nation at the time, there was room for a brief period of rejoicing, noting that the war against Japan was far from won, and the hard work of rebuilding our nation and our lives still yet to begin. But on that day, those who stood to hail victory rejoiced at being alive, breathing again the fresh air of freedom, and congregating without fear of death. We had hoped we would mark the 75th anniversary with three days of public events, parades, bands and bunting, street parties and many opportunities to thank the heroes of the Second World War and reflect on the sacrifices of a generation now swiftly passing. But that is clearly not to be. We must mark this occasion with more sober hearts. Today we contemplate the sacrifice being made to fight a new enemy, 
which knows no front line, threatens every neighbourhood and which must be combated by medical and care staff, not soldiers or sailors. The final volume of Winston Churchill's history of the Second World War is entitled Triumph and Tragedy. Military triumph was achieved with tragic loss, which scarred the face of the globe for decades. We now battle in the face of tragedy of loss to coronavirus. We don't doubt that we will win or that we will emerge again from lockdown into fresh, clean air freedom. But we know that a huge rebuilding task awaits us. It's very different to 1945. It's a task of resurrecting society flattened by an unseen enemy. Let's take heart from those who rejoiced on VA Day, then bent their backs with will to make something of the world again. There remain among us those who showed the way then and who are doing so again. Men like Captain Tom Moore, whose noble character remains unbounded both by the years and the present challenge. On this day in 1945, Churchill finished his victory report to the House of Commons by moving that MP should go at once to St Margaret's Church in Westminster to give thanks to Almighty God for the nation's deliverance from tyranny. And right now, the Lord remains our only hope of national resurrection and our hope for the future. Christians have a challenge to emerge from lockdown to present Jesus afresh to the world, to our family, friends and neighbours, to turn fear to joy, despair to resurrection living, death to victory, triumph, tragedy to triumph in Christ. Let's not forget our remembrance drive forward with passion. VA Day presented a rebuilding challenge to our forebears, and as we come in God's people also have a rebuilding opportunity through a Holy Spirit breathe recommitment to the Great Commission to present a hurting, desperate world with the good news of Jesus Christ, who alone can triumph over death and sin and who will reign for eternity, and that surely is victory. Major General Rudy Porter, MBE, is the Chief Executive of Military Ministries International, a charity given to helping military Christians follow Jesus Christ in armed forces around the world. He served in the British Army for 31 years in peace and war in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Iraq, retiring in 2011. With those thoughts in mind, let us pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, this day we give you thanks as remember the sacrifice of many men and women, uh, soldiers, sailors and airmen, who paid the supreme sacrifice for our peace and for our freedom. Granted that may never ever be a lost cause and we may always strive for peace, justice and righteousness throughout the world. And granted those who lead us in our nation and the nations of the world may always have this as a foremost thought in their minds at all times in the many decisions and discussions to resolve contentious issues throughout the world. Bless, guide and direct them and in particular at this time of great fear and concern and uncertainty. Guide and direct our Prime Minister members of the cabinet and all the COVID-19 committee. Give them your wisdom and guidance to lead the nation the way forward as we emerge from lockdown. We thank you for our medical scientists and researchers. Guide and direct them as they seek to find a virus to contract this deadly virus. Guide and be with them. We give you thanks for all the medical researchers. We pray that you'll bless them. We pray that you bless all who look after those who are diagnosed with coronavirus. 
Bless them as they look after those who are ill and those who are dying. Heal and restore according to your gracious will all who are ill with coronavirus at this time. May they know your peace and your presence with them and trust in you and not be afraid. Comfort those who at this time are dying and we pray that you'll be with their families who are grieving today the loss of their loved ones. May they know your comfort, your presence, the promise of your word that nothing, even death itself, can separate them from your great love which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day as we celebrate past victory. We celebrate the assurance from your word that you will indeed give us victory in the present time over this deadly virus. And above all things, we grant that you will help us and enable us to realise that you are in control. You are the one to whom we can turn and trust for each and every day of life. We give you thanks that you have come in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. He has lived, he has died, he has rose again victorious over sin and death. He has gone ahead to prepare a place for us. He will return again. Granted, we may be people who are prepared, ready and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. And we may share one day in the great victory, the eternal victory, and be more than conquerors one day with transformed new bodies in the heavenly places, in that prepared place for us. So, Father, grant us your blessing and your presence. Be with us throughout the remainder of this day and of this week and surround us with all things that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. Be with us, Lord, as we go out into the world. May the lips of the song of your praise always speak the truth. The ears who have heard your word, listen only to what is good. May our lives, as well as our worship, be always pleasing in your sight for the glory of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our service today and viewing it by live stream. We trust you'll find it a help and a blessing for the week which lies ahead. Please, I apologise for any inadequacies or shortcomings in the sound and in my uh, looking at you because I'm not used looking at a camera. I'm used looking all around the church at all of you, which I miss dearly. I do look forward to the day when we shall be all back in church again and I can wander around the church with my eyes. But in the meantime, please forgive the inadequacies of sound or whatever else in this service. We, it is a work in progress. We trust you will be patient and do find a blessing and a help and listen in to again us next week. Thank you. We're going to finish off uh, our service by listening to another hymn. Words again will come on the screen for you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Thank you and God bless. <laughs>